Hey there, and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. You are listening to episode 27 of one of the most delicious podcasts you will find on the interwebs. My name is Tim, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about World of Warcraft Classic. It finally has a release date. I'm going to be ranting and raving about that for a little bit. We're going to be talking about what new games I've been into lately, and then we're going to dive into some... uh, Minor E3 predictions. We might go in more into depth of those on the Retrofiz podcast or something along those lines, but I kind of want to give my conspiracy theory, put my hat on, uh, my tinfoil hat on predictions for that. So with that said, let's go ahead and start the show. Thank you for joining me ahead of time. I'm so excited to be doing this episode. It's going to be lovely. Let's start the show. <laughs> And welcome back. The show has started. We're in episode 27. We're hip deep, baby. Hip deep. We're so deep. Let's do this. Today we are talking about the WoW classic release date, August 27th, 2019 worldwide. Oh my goodness. You have no idea how excited I am about this. And for those of you who have who are familiar with my content, who hang around me, who know me, know that I have been so stoked about this game since even before they announced it was a thing. Like I've been a a huge proponent for this existing for years now, probably since Cataclysm came out. So let's talk about WoW. So for those of you who are not familiar with World of Warcraft, it is Blizzard's very long-running MMORPG. It's been running since 2004. And it has seen, let's just say, a lot of expansion packs since then. We went from vanilla, which was 2004, to, I want to say, 2006, 2007. You know what? Let me Google that. I, I want to get my times right. So let me let me make sure that I get that right. So that was 2007. So we went three years, 2004 to 2007, of just free content patches, content update, updates, before we saw... Burning Crusade come out. Burning Crusade was the first expansion pack. It added flying mounts, it added a new world uh, to go visit and explore, but did not touch original Azeroth in any meaningful way. Kept everything the same as it was, including the dungeons, the raids, etc., 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 for that old-school leveling experience. Then Wrath of the Lich King came out, and the, the release date on that one was, I believe, 2018... Or 2018, I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind today. 2008, so literally one year later, they came out with Lich King. And then after that, they did, uh, it was, a, I think, two years when Cataclysm came out. And I'm looking up the release, yeah, 2010 then. So we saw two solid years of Wrath of the Lich King, which was a great expansion full of tons of stuff. Burning Crusade was awesome. That lasted about a year. And we saw Wrath of the Lich King. They were all really, really good. They added a ton of cool content. They were a ton of fun to play through and just genuinely enjoyable. Just a ton of fun to do. Then they released Cataclysm. So so Wrath of the Lich King added Northrend, which was another new area, which did not affect the overall main original area. 
Cataclysm changed that. They went back and revamped the entirety of Azeroth, which is the base two continents, Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms, and completely redid them with the thank with the help thanks to the help of Deathwing. Deathwing came through and carved massive swaths of lava throughout the world, uh, completely changed the face of everything, and more or less modified the balance of power in the game. That was kind. That was where I quit. I quit at the end of Wrath of the Lich King, right before Cataclysm, because the pre-Cataclysm patch totally changed the face of Azeroth as it was, and I was very, very unhappy about that. And I honestly still am. That's part of why I'm so excited about this, because playing Mists of Pandaria, which was the one that came after Cataclysm, uh, Cataclysm itself was not great. It was not a very fun expansion, not a lot to do. Uh, they made huge changes to classes and the way that they operated, and more or less, they started to really break down the, the binds that made Horde versus Alliance matter, where it was a faction thing. Uh, toward the end of Wrath of the Lich King, they introduced like Dungeon Finder, uh, Battleground Finder was during Wrath, uh, the uh, Raid Finder was shortly after Cataclysm came out, I believe, and then we had Mists of Pandaria. Mists of Pandaria introduced the first neutral classes, which was the Pandarin, which I hated, because pandas... They just should not be a playable class, in my opinion. As a as a NPC class, like goblins were at the time, yes, I would be all for that until they introduced goblins as playable classes. <laughs> and then I was just kind of like, okay, I've had my fill. Ultimately, I quit playing around, uh, around Cataclysm time because of all the sweeping changes they made without regard for what made a server community a server community. And... With WoW Classic, we are going back to Vanilla WoW with the patch 1.12.1, which was uh, just before uh, Burning Crusade came out. That's what the talents, abilities, gear, all that stuff, everything is going to be tuned for 1.12.1, which is the original classic game, So, uh, which is the last patch of Vanilla. So that that's all well and good because what they're doing is they're doing away with the Dungeon Finder, they're doing away with the... PvP finder, they're they're killing the the raid finder. All of that stuff is going away. They're putting the emphasis back on server community. So each server will be a server of people who signed up and joined that server. Meaning, you go into a battleground. You're in a battleground with only other people from your server. The beauty of that is is that you get reputations. You get a reputation for being the best rogue, best paladin, uh, the strongest warrior, that sort of stuff. People recognize you all across the server. So when you have those moments where you're in world PVP and you see, you know, there's Tim, the mighty warrior, and people see that name coming across battle the battlefield, they they all go, "Oh crap, it's it's the mighty warrior Tim, run for your lives." That sort of thing. You actually had a reputation. When they added the, the the PvP finder, the dungeon finder, and all that stuff, it really, because of how many servers were involved and how many thousands and thousands of players there were, building a reputation was nigh impossible. On a single server, when you've only got a couple thousand people and a handful of high levels who actively PvP, it really makes a difference in your perception and how visible you are to the rest of the server. So that's that's a big part of why I'm so stoked about this. Add to that the classic dungeons, the challenge involved in leveling in the new game you can get from level like 1 to 60 in like a day. It used to take weeks to get to 60 of consistent, not constant play, but consistent play. 
there was challenge in it. And if you overpulled, you would die. You would actually have to plan your pulls, figure out what quests you want to do, get with groups that are doing those quests or dungeons. It was a very community-focused time. And that, that was a big part of what made Classic WoW such a draw to me. And guilds meant something. Guild banks meant something. Working as a team meant something. And unfortunately, that's that's that all went the way of the Dodo around when Cataclysm came out. And now to see that they're going back to their roots and adding some quality of life, like your Authenticator, your guild banks, etc., etc., that's great. Like I love that. Those things protect people from getting ripped off, scams, etc. Like they're bringing in all the modern loot systems and all that stuff. But when it comes to the actual dungeoneering and things like that, guild building and things like that, you have to work as a team and you have to get people together. And that's a big draw for me. So I'm very th thrilled that that's a thing. So I've already started establishing a guild made up of ICT community members, and I've extended the invitation outside of the ICT community as well. So if you're interested, please go to discord.gg slash ICT. Uh, go to the gaming chat and let me know there that you are interested and you are more than welcome to join us. Uh, we'll have rules and everything kind of thought up and posted, and we'll come up with officers and stuff in the near future. It, we're still, you know, into August. But the goal is we'll level together, we'll share resources to get um, crafting skills up, we'll share crafting uh, and make each other things like bags, enchantments, etc. And we'll do uh, dungeons and raids together eventually, and we'll do PvP together. So it'll be fun, it'll be a, a casual guild, not super hardcore. But this is what I'm talking about. These are the things that I love and that I'm passionate about because I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do as a group now that I've matured. Because back when I started playing World of Warcraft, I was I was a teenager. I was in high school still. I was naive, young. I was still learning the ways of the world. And uh, with my wisdom, my knowledge now, and my interest in creating something that's enjoyable and fun for everybody instead of just looking out for little old me... I think that I can definitely help bring the true WoW experience to people. Because, I mean, I wasn't that way when I was in a guild, especially during Burning Crusade. I got involved and learned how to how to lead raids. I learned, I learned how to manage a guild, how to work with huge amounts of people, 20 to 40, because they had 40-man raids back then. I mean, in, I think in Burning Crusade, it, it was down to, it was uh, 10 mans and 20, 25 mans, something like that. But regardless... Even in vanilla, like we led twenty man raids into uh, uh, Zulgarub, uh, I got to be part of a forty man raid into Molten Core, even though it didn't really go anywhere because we were kind of disorganized and it was more of a pug than anything pickup group. But ultimately, I learned a lot, and in the intervening years, I have matured a ton. And I mean, some of you may not say that, but I feel like I have, and I've learned a lot, and I'm very excited to be able to bring my flair and my passion for this game that was such a big part of my life and my formative years to my friends, to people that I've met and to my community that I have been honestly just blessed with. I've been so very fortunate to have such a cool community rally around ICT and what it is and all that stuff. And I'm just really, I'm stoked to be able to work together as a team to do that. So we're going to, we're going to be working to build uh, a group of people that'll work together and we can take Azeroth by storm baby. But that said, I'm just really excited about it. I'm really stoked about it. And I'm, I'm just 
honestly, I'm I'm pepped, and I I feel like I feel like there's a lot of a lot of me wrapped in this game, and I know that sounds really dumb, but when you play a game for years of your life and you literally put more than a year of played time into the game, like I literally slash played was more than a year of played time. I put thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into this game. Oh boy. It's, it's one of those deals. And I know I've spoken before that I, I had a wow addiction in the past. And I mean, fair enough. I, I, I genuinely did. But in the intervening years, I have since gotten into other MMOs. I have played Final Fantasy XIV, and I don't think the old addiction is there anymore. I'm pretty sure I've grown past it. But that said, I I used to be hardcore addicted to the game. I really was. Like, World of Warcraft was World of Warcraft for me. It genuinely was. And there was a very good reason they called it that. And I chose to let that take over me and my life and who I was. Whereas today I have a lot more responsibilities. I've got retrofiz. I've got, I mean, I've got my wife. I've got recce. I've got two dogs. I've got uh, my job. I've got streams to do on weekends. So I can't play wow all the time. Like I used to when I was in high school. And that was kind of the difference was when I was living with my parents, didn't have any debts, any bills. I stupidly played the game all the time rather than focusing on getting a job, getting debt-free, going into college type stuff. So that's kind of on me. But that said, I don't think that I have that same draw or pull to the game that I used to. And I think that's a big deal. That's a big part of it. And I think it's really, really important that I keep my eyes on that and keep my eyes on the prize of what I want to do with this. I want it to be something semi-casual yet slightly serious. That's my dog barking if you if you didn't notice but something semi-serious, but something worthwhile to the people involved. And I think that's I think that's really important to me. But also something that's not going to take over my life. So I think that's really important as well. That said, I am genuinely thrilled this is coming out. I have so many friends and even family members now that loved Classic WoW that got to play it in Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King, but never got to play Vanilla. And so I'll actually get to show people what vanilla was like back in the day in kind of a time capsule format and show them the the challenge and the struggle and the difficulties therein. And I think that's a big part of the draw of the game because WoW has become soft. And I say that not in like this super negative, super harmful way. And just as a fair warning, you may hear my dogs barking in the background. I think Reki's coming home soon. Just be aware that that may happen. I apologize in advance if it does. With that said... The game has gotten too soft. The talent trees have been horribly dumbed down. The difficulty level has been all but nixed outside of things like the mythic raids. And I mean, those are all well and good, but those are like the cream of the crop. I mean, it's become mythics are pretty much how raiding was back in the day. It was the elite, the people who could only really sink a fair amount of time into the game to do. And I find that when you play a game like an MMORPG, you have your hardcores and you have your more casual folks. And then you have your in-betweeners. Your in-betweeners are the people who will raid on raid casually, raid on weekends, raid once one time a week, and if they don't make it all the way, big whoop, it's not the end of the world. However, you may end up with people that are super casual who have no interest in raiding, who just want to PvP on occasion, maybe do some dungeons and just have fun and do crafting and 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 assist their guild with potions and crap like that. 
that too is fine. Then you have your hardcores. The hardcores are the people that raid four nights a week. The people that play the game for hundreds of hours in a, you know, in a month even. And I used to be like that. Not anymore. I'm more on the, the, the middle ground between the casual and the hardcore. I think I'm going to want to raid, but I'm not going to be able to commit to doing raids for multiple times in a week unless it's like some special event where we, as a guild, go, let's clear a whole dungeon one night and we all just do a dungeon together for eight hours or something. You know, that those are options that are left open to group decision and things that are like community-based and not me-based. Things that are not something that is just me like, I just want to raid for the next... 12 hours. It's not how it's going to work anymore. <laughs> but that said, I think I think Modern WoW has gotten to the point where Vanilla WoW is going to make it look inferior because of all the bells and whistles and shininess. It's still a very easy, casual, accessible game. I've had a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to be able to sink a lot of time into WoW Classic because I have a life now. Well, you don't have to. You didn't have to do that in the first place. We just did it because we were kids at the time. That makes a huge difference in the way that we approach a game, right? But in Final Fantasy XIV, I'm still able to do dungeons. I still almost have a level 50 character, which is the max for the base game. That's pretty awesome, and I haven't sunk 10 million hours into it. I've just been playing it once a week, twice a week, whenever I get time. And I think that is the big difference that you'll find from looking at it from the adult perspective, if that makes sense. As an adult, I am much more discerning with my time, but my time is my time and I can spend it how I wish. And that's kind of where I'm getting at. I I will choose to spend my time on things like raids, etc. But I don't know. I it's just it's my choice rather than it being something that I'm hooked on, something that I have to play because I'm still a variety streamer overall. I still have Retrofiz to create content for, which has got press start to watch, fizz plays, etc. There's still 10 million things that we have to do in that. So it's really important that we keep an eye on that sort of thing from our perspective as adults now. But also realize that you can play the game a little bit a week if you wish. So to say, I don't want to get hooked on it, that's fine. But to say, I just don't have time for it or I don't want to put time into it because of you know I'm an adult and I'm not a kid anymore, that's silly. It's acceptable to not have the time for it. Like I'm not saying not to I'm not saying to sink, you know, a ton of time into something you don't have the time for. My point is is that using the excuse of I'm not a kid anymore, so I can't do it is kind of silly to me. So I would say unless you were hardcore addicted and you you know absolutely that you will relapse and only play this game and mainline it and no life it for next to forever. Don't do that. Don't give up your life for the game, much like you shouldn't give up your life for live streams, etc., etc. Focus on you and making your life a good place to be that you're comfortable with, right? If that makes sense. Okay, that said, I'm very excited about WoW Classic, but let's go ahead and uh, hear a word from our sponsors. We will be back in just a moment. I just stuttered my words. I'm having trouble tonight. It's been it's been a week. I didn't get a weekend, really. I had to work 12 hours on Saturday, so I am like, I'm beat right now. But we're going to talk about, oh, oh boy, what are we going to talk about next? I said it at the top of the show, and I have completely lost the plot yet again. I always do this. 
The new games I've been playing. Two, right? I got a couple that I want to talk about. Let's go ahead, hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Thanks for your patience, guys. See you in just a second. Welcome back to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. So excited to be playing new games. I love playing new games, and that's what we've been doing for a hot minute. This weekend, I only had one day to stream, but we did play two new games during that time. The first being A Plague Tale Innocence, the second being Party Hard 2. I'm going to start with Party Hard 2. I'm going to say it's really meh. If you played the first Party Hard, Party Hard 2, you're not missing too much. It's very, very, very similar. In fact, the only real difference is instead of it being completely 2D, it's a like flat 2D. It's a 2D with a 3D background, like the whole area is 3D. The game itself is just really kind of okay. It's not something that's mind-blowing. It's not something that makes me really impressed over. And I, I hate to say that because I feel like that's really unnecessarily negative. But the game isn't bad. It's just not got a lot to it that makes me go, yes, this is what I need. It doesn't deviate enough from the formula to really make me feel like this is a necessary sequel. It could have been an expansion pack. But beyond that, I think it's 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 fun if you like the party hard kind of strategy, murder everybody type deal. But I don't know. I'm just not, I, I wasn't too into it. I played it for, I think, an hour, hour and a half. And then I was just kind of like, yeah, this is this is not enough to make me go that, make me feel like I love it. So that's that's where we're at with that. I know that was a really short synopsis and very succinct. But ultimately, that's about how I feel. It's... You go to a party, you're playing, there's a little bit of story with some really weird, like, English hiccups in some of the texts, like, the way that they describe the characters that you play as almost feel like they were run through Google Translate, like, this, syntactically, they're really weird, but I, I don't know, the, the game is just really kind of there, it's, it's fun if you like that sort of concept, if you like the concept of a party is bothering this dude, the dude goes and decides to kill everybody, um, the, the, the storytelling is a little incoherent. It's like done in like flashbacks, but they don't really give you enough lead in to really make you feel like you understand it. And then there's a lot of trial and error, a lot of failure over and over and over again. And it seems very unnecessarily difficult in some ways. And because all you have is a knife and if the police come, you can't knife the police for some weird reason. You can push them into traps and such, but you can't like kill them. And then there's like really weird things like the, there's like a cleaning lady that walks around and she's invincible. So like if you knife her, she gets mad and starts hitting you. And then there's these bouncers that are invincible. There goes the barking. Warned you about it. And it's just really frustrating in a lot of ways that they have invincible characters or characters that you can do nothing against. Like I, I get it. There's supposed to be an indicator that there are people that are stronger than you or something along those lines. But it's very difficult for me to swallow the pill that, like, you can't stab a police officer or, or a cleaning lady. Like, maybe it was there as a joke or a gag. I mean, there's there's things in there that are really silly. Like, you can call in, like, a dancing bear who wears, like, gold chains and shades and things like that. But it's really bizarre to me that in a game with so much silly, like, they just completely decided to nullify your ability to escape police and things like that and when you get grabbed you have to restart from the get-go there's like no quick saving or checkpointing or anything like that it's very very frustrating so i think that i don't know it's it's just it's difficult for me to swallow that game as being good so i i'll put it out there i didn't enjoy party hard 2 very much 
but ultimately it is what it is. I, I wouldn't recommend it is what I'm saying. It's very, very low on my list. If you liked party hard one, you'll probably enjoy party hard two a little bit, but not a, it's not groundbreaking or earth shattering. Now let's talk about a plague tale innocence. Oh boy. Okay. So this game I started playing on stream and honestly, very pretty game. About 50 bucks you can buy it for. However, at the beginning, I wasn't warned that there is a literal, like, brutal killing of a dog right at the beginning. Now, I'm one for if you take, like, a dude and you sever him in half and his guts are spraying everywhere, like, in, in a game, like, fine. When it comes to, like, dogs, I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to to put it into words, but... For you cat people out there, like, think about if they had, like, just brutally murdered a cat for no reason. Like, you would feel the same way. It's just, they're innocent animals, even if they're pixelized. Like, and I know that sounds really silly, but being the, you know, the keeper of two boys myself, my, my two dogs, who I love more than most people, it's hard when there's no warning. Like, if it was a child, I'd probably feel the same way. Like... You don't just you just don't do that. Like there are some lines, and I think dogs, children, and and cats are like the lines. Like anybody who writes in a, a dog being brutally killed is a sociopath. I'm sorry. And if you take the time to animate that, you're you're pretty awful. So that was in the first like five to ten minutes of the game, and that really, really turned me off for the vibe and tone of the game. Because I felt like it was a very cheap way to get people upset where they could have very easily just used a person or something along those lines, like a human, adult human, because crap happens, I mean, as humans. But as a dog owner, like, I put a ton of myself into making sure my dogs are safe, healthy, and happy, much like with with people with their children, people with, you know, people with their cats, like, their pets, or they're your offspring. And to me, my dogs are my offspring. Like, I love them as such, because I don't have any plans on having kids. I got to dote on something on somebody and that's my pups. So with that, it's like, it's really disturbing. And I don't mean that in the sense that like, Oh, clutching my pearls, disturbing. I mean that in like, it's just like from my perspective, I think that's a really low blow and it's really weak storytelling to do that just because it's not a narrative device at that point. It's just a, it's an, it's gratuitous, you know, it's like, I don't know. Be cruel to other people all you want because we are humans and that is our condition. And I mean, it being set in the era it's set, which is around in, in France during the era of the bubonic plague, uh, hence a plague tale, it, it's very it's a it's a game that's very dark. And I get that. I get dark. I, I'm okay with dark. I understand dark. That's fine. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but I was gonna give it a go. And when I saw that, I was just kind of like this game is really like off the rails already. However, I was a little hasty there. So, but ultimately, A, if they dropped that, you would have lost nothing. So let me just say that much. Like if they had swapped it with a human, it would have gained a lot more prescience for the uh, for the protagonist. And it would have been way less gratuitous and unnecessary for killing of animals. Like, like genuinely, like just people who kick dogs, that's just... It's the worst. That said, uh, the game itself really opens up. Uh, it's the main character is Amicia with her brother Hugo, and they're they're trying to escape 
um, uh, in- the Inquisition, more or less the French Inquisition, I guess. And ultimately, the game turns into this very interesting uh, stealth, uh, has some combat elements type things. Uh, it's really interesting. It has some RPG elements where you can upgrade your sling and upgrade your, your inventory and weapons and stuff. It's got some upgrading stuff. And I don't know. It's just the game itself has really opened up to be really fascinating and cover and, and jump into some more historical stuff like the English invading France is alluded to in, in many ways and things like that. And, and not getting into any spoilery stuff. It's just there are some really intense moments involving people and not necessarily just animals. Uh, and I don't know. It's it's pretty, pretty great. I, I, I it's hard for me to say that, but like by the game. As long as you go into it with the understanding that there is a dog death at the beginning. Like, if I had had a warning, even if it was like a splash screen or something that says, hey, we brutally kill a dog at the very beginning of this game, I would have been like, I'm prepared, let's do this. Rather, they just kind of foist it upon you, and I, I just feel like, again, my three things, dogs, cats, and children, don't kill them. It's, it's just not right. Like, it's just... As humans, that goes against human nature to to kill those. And as a teen, I was much more like, no, nah, they can kill kids or whatever. Like, I don't care. But, I mean, like, as I've grown and matured, I've realized that, yeah, I mean, kids are our future. And they can't really defend themselves when they're young. So we have to look after them. And that's just kind of how it is. I don't really want kids myself. But I still think that kids should be, you know, children should be protected and at least in terms of media and and uh, uh, kind of an off limits right dogs cats children being slain um deaths are like a different story brutal dismemberment or disembowelment is is where my line is i think so that that's kind of what i'm getting at it's pretty savage and i know i keep harping on it but it really colored my perception of the game for the first hour i'm not even kidding you it took me a hot minute to get over that So that said, I do recommend the game, believe it or not, and I think that maybe you should try to take a look at it. It may be worth your while. It may not be. Maybe you'll you'll hate it. But if you like stealth stuff, I'm not a big fan of that. But I, I, it's like a mix of like Bioshock Infinite, uh, Metal Gear, and like the Assassin's Creed games in some ways. Like it's a really interesting mix of mechanics and ideas, and I think that's really cool. I think that really does a good job uh, of making an interesting compelling engaging game and uh, honestly the story gets so much better after the whole dog incident it really does i just it 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 breaks my heart to think about just because dogs dog lives are and cat lives are so fleeting on this earth and so short and all they do is like adore and love and i mean even cats do the same thing in their own way (laughs) they're just not domesticated but still they it's just it's it's heartbreaking it really, truly is. So that was pretty painful to see. Anyways, I recommend A Plague Tale Innocence. You should go check it out if uh, if you get a chance. Again, with that full warning, full disclosure, there is brutal dog death right at the beginning. So keep that in mind and go into it with that in mind and it'll help. It really will. Because if I had known, I would have liked it a lot more from the beginning. Okay. Let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor one more time, and then I will get into a couple of E3 mini predictions, and then we will call the co, call the co, call the show quits for this episode. So 
Stick with me. We'll be right back. Thank you for your patience. BRB. And we are back. Thank you for your patience, y'all. You are the best. Okay, so let's talk E3. I'm going to be going to E3. Hooray! Confetti here. Whoa! Anyways, we're going to be going to E3, which I'm very, very excited about. E3 2019 has my name on it, and I'm so very stoked. I get to go as media, which I've always wanted to do. It's been on my bucket list since I was a wee lad in, like, middle school. So it's really cool to see that I have a, a genuine chance to see something that I've wanted to see my entire remembered life, pretty much. My entire gaming life, as it were. Very excited about that. So I'm going to throw some quick predictions out there, and then we're going to wrap the show because I have like a thousand other things to do, and I'm, I'm already like I went on too long about dog death. So my apologies. All right, let's talk about E3. At E3 this year, I predict that Nintendo and Microsoft's partnership will be much deeper than just the talks they've been in where Xbox is coming to it. I believe that we're going to see Xbox games streamable to your Switch. I honestly... If they want to throw us a huge curveball, we're going to see Nintendo games able to be played on the Xbox. Don't know if that's going to be the case, but with recent news that Sony and Microsoft are partnering to build cloud infrastructures, uh, that tells me that Sony's PlayStation's PlayStation Now system may actually be hosted from Microsoft Azure, which means that maybe, and I highly doubt this, but maybe PlayStation Now will end up on different platforms as well. Can you imagine buying an Xbox and being able to play in a whole a whole back library of PlayStation games? That would be insanity. I would love that. But my biggest thing would be playing Nintendo games or Xbox games on my Switch. Laying in the, in bed and playing Halo with some of my buddies would be pretty dope if you ask me. I think that would be rad. So that's what we're looking at. That's one of my predictions. I know it seems far-fetched, so f deal with it. These are all going to be a little off-the-wall crazy. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just throwing them out there, so just, just bear with me, y'all. Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite will be uh, a much bigger th deal than we expected. It will be a software-as-a-service title. Uh, it will have a battle royale. Uh, I'm calling it now. Uh, it'll have um, a map-building system that is way above and beyond what we expected from the last one. And it will be as a games as a service. It will go on forever. Uh, they will they will announce plans for quarterly or yearly updates, uh, probably quarterly, maybe even monthly to start, uh, where they add new maps, uh, new weapons, new vehicles, new maybe even new campaign stuff. And it'll be available exclusively through Game Pass. That's my theory. We're also going to see the Master Chief Collection um, PC release date announcement. My my thinking is is that at E3 they're going to say it's available now and it'll be available on pc right then and there uh or very shortly after uh it's been in build up for a long time we haven't seen it yet and i'm very very excited to see if that's what what comes then uh, i expect for microsoft to come out swinging so in addition to some crazy halo news i think that they're going to announce the next xbox generation my thinking is, is that it's going to be, again, digital only. It will not have a disk drive. There will be no physical media. The time is right for them to move on this and to make that happen. They're also going to really be pushing Game Pass. Excuse me. So Game Pass will, will have new games announced for it. We'll have a ton of new games announced via Microsoft because they are going big or going home. That's the whole mentality here. Sony went home. 
Microsoft is like, we're doubling down, baby. Let's do this. They're going to announce that strategic partnership with Nintendo where they're going to have Xbox games streamable to your Switch. So when you whatever their streaming platform is that they announced, so StreamX, I think they were calling it, or Xtreme or something like that, which is Xbox games streamable and playable a la PlayStation Now or Google Stadia. That will be announced in full detail at E3, as well as it will be put on... Uh, it will be put on the Switch. That will be it'll be available on PC, Xbox One, and Switch. Boom. That's my predictions. I don't have a whole lot more now, but as I come up with more, I will let you know right up until I leave for the trip. And I probably won't have an episode that week unless I do something like as a at the event type deal. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show, guys. Thank you so much, so very much for hanging out with me today. It is always very much appreciated. Let me see if I can find my little nifty closing spiel here. Because I always have it. There it is. Okay. So, the ICT Podcast is produced by me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. But it's more than just a podcast. It's also live streams three days a week on weekends. Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And Saturday and Sunday mornings from 10 a.m. Eastern Time. As well as a vibrant and inclusive community over on Discord. You can check out the live stream at Mixer.com slash Insert Coin Theater. You can also check it out on Twitch, uh, YouTube Gaming, Facebook Gaming, and soon DLive at Insert Coin Theater. You can check out the Discord at discord.gg slash ICT. And if you want to support my efforts monetarily, please consider leaving, uh, please consider pledging, sorry, to the ICT Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash ICT. Huge thanks to Andy B, who is our Arcade Master Level supporter, and the three other Patreon supporters for helping keep this podcast alive and kicking. Now, if you can't support monetarily, if you don't want to sub on Mixer, if you don't want to be a patron on Patreon, if you don't want to drop any embers or drop some money into my Streamlabs account, you just don't have that kind of quiche, that's A-OK too. Please do consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform, and it will really help the visibility of the of the podcast and the show. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim, or on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are also always open, and you can find me at insertcointheater, hashtag 6969. The intro that you heard is made by the ever-talented Ben Burns, a good friend of mine. He is amazing. Go check him out at abstractionmusic.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.